0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylor. So in this episode, I'm going to give a preview of tonight's college football national championship game between the University of Washington, who is the number two seed, versus the number one seed, the University of Michigan. A great game kicking off tonight at 730 on ESPN. I'm going to preview that game, but before doing so, I'm going to recap last week's college football semifinals games. We'll start off with Michigan and their big win over Alabama in overtime. That ended up being a 27-20 final Michigan getting the win in overtime. Blood Corn was great in the game. Scored the first touchdown of the game for Michigan. Also scored the last touchdown of the game for Michigan. With a 17-yard touchdown run in OT. Making it a 27-20 game. Alabama had a chance to tie it on the goal line. They had a 4th and 3 play. With the chance to potentially tie the game. Jalen Moreau takes the snap. It's a designed run up the middle. And he's stopped by a Michigan defensive lineman. Which I understand why they did that play call. Because it has worked a lot this season, them with a lot of QB powers running up the middle. It has worked for them. But in that situation, I think it would have been ideal for them to roll out and maybe have a tight end rollout. Like a bootleg player where the quarterback rolls out and finds a tight end in the flat and there's a touchdown. That would have been ideal. That ends up obviously not being the case. Nick Saban goes with that play call. Alabama had a chance with two timeouts. Michigan had a timeout. Alabama had a timeout. So there were two timeouts. They had a chance there to try and go out and find the best play call. After two timeouts, one by each team, that ends up being the call Alabama goes with, and obviously it does cost them. They end up losing the game. People are going to look at it in hindsight, obviously. That's the way we look at sports and life, honestly, in general, but nothing Alabama can do about it now. They went with the play they thought was best, and obviously it does cost them at the end of the day. One thing that I was right with in this game, I did have Alabama winning the game, which obviously it didn't work out, but I thought their offense would start a little bit slow, and then they'd pick things up in the second half. They did have a touchdown in the first quarter a Jason McClellan 34-yard touchdown run, which was great. Then after that, their next touchdown they scored was in the fourth quarter. So they had a touchdown in the first quarter, a field goal in the second, nothing in the third, and then 10 points in the fourth quarter with a field goal, giving them a 20-13 to lead with 4 minutes and 41 seconds to go. Prime position for that team to find a way to win the game, have a big defensive stop, but that ended up not being the case. Michigan got the ball and drove down the field, scoring a touchdown to tie the game at 20 points with a minute and a half to go. So Alabama had a chance to go down the field and maybe kick a potential game-winning field goal with a minute and 34 seconds left. That obviously ends up not happening either. So a lot of things did not go Alabama's way late in this game. And there was a big play when Alabama was on defense. With a chance to stop Michigan and win the game with three minutes or so to go, they allowed a big conversion to Michigan. It was a fourth-and-two conversion on Alabama's 40 with three minutes to go, and they allowed a 27-yard pass play from J.J. McCarthy to Blake Corum. And that was a big momentum shifter there. After that play, I knew Michigan was going to score and tie the game. But I had somewhat a little bit of hope that Alabama would find a way to maybe kick a potential game-winning field goal, since the kicker Will Reichert is very good. He kicked a fifty-two-yard field goal and a fifty-yard field goal in this game. So I thought if Alabama could find a way to move the ball downfield, get to field goal range, they could win the game with a game-winning field goal. But that ends up not being the case. Everything kind of went Michigan's way in the last five minutes of the game, and in overtime, and they end up winning 27-20. Credit to Michigan's defense. They did make things hard on Alabama in that offense. They held Alabama to just 288 yards with five fumbles from Alabama, one of them being lost, but forcing five fumbles is very impressive. One thing that Jalen Monroe did very well was running the ball in the game, 21 carries to 63 yards. He was running the ball consistently and effectively, but obviously wasn't enough to go out there and get the win, just 116 passing yards in the game from Monroe. As for J.J. McCarthy, though, on the other side, 17-27 to 27 passing, 221 yards and three touchdowns with no picks. Also did add in three carries for 25 yards. He actually impressed me in this game. He had a very good game. I know I was doubting him. I know I said I didn't have much confidence in him heading into that game since at the beginning of the season I wasn't really too big of a fan of him. But he did enough to get a win, obviously, there. It didn't make any mistakes, really. And that ends up being a big difference maker in that game. So credit to J.J. McCarthy. Obviously, everyone's going to look at Alabama's play call at the end of the game and look at that for the reason they lost. But Alabama's defense did have a chance with four minutes to go to get a stop on fourth and two and win the game right there. And that ends up not being the case. Then the offense gets the chance to potentially go down the field with a minute and a half to go and try to kick a game-winning field goal. And the offense couldn't move the ball. The game goes to overtime. And the rest is history. As for the Texas-Washington game, it was a lot high scoring of a game. A 37-31 finish. Washington getting the win. Obviously being a Washington fan all season, I was very happy to see that. I've been a Michael Penix fan since last season. So seeing Washington compete on the biggest stage of college football, that's obviously great to see. And then you also get to see Michael Penix playing lights out on the biggest stage of college football. He had a great game. He was 29-38 to 30 passing with 430 passing yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. He had a monster game. And I know a lot of people that didn't really get to watch too much of him over the last couple seasons saw that game last Monday night and thought Michael Penix is the real deal. Which I've thought that now for two seasons, I've thought Michael Penix was the real deal. But after watching that game on Monday night last week and how crisp and how smooth and how calm he was in the pocket, just throwing the ball consistently downfield, always on target, and never letting pressure get to him. Even when pressure's coming and it's in his face, he finds a way to throw the ball downfield on target. And I know his run game's very good. I know the offensive line's very good. He has great receivers as well. But I don't think that should take away from Michael Penix. I know he's on the older side. I know he's 23 years old. I know he has the injuries. I know he was a transfer from Indiana to Washington. I know he's a lefty, but this kid has overcome so much in his college career, and he is excelling on the biggest stage in all of college football. That Washington offense put up 37 points and 532 yards against Texas' defense. And Texas' defense was very good all season long. Credit to the receivers, though, on Washington. Romo Dunze, six catches for 125 yards. I think he is right there as the best wide receiver in the draft with Marvin Harrison Jr. I know Marvin Harrison Jr. is getting all the hype and all the credit. For this wide receiver group. But Romo Dunze is an absolute stud. And he deserves to be in the conversation for the best receiver in this draft. He's not going to go first overall. He's not going to go top three like Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably going to go. But I think Romo Dunze's talent is very comparable to Marvin Harrison Jr. Washington does have some other very good receivers as well. Jalen Polk, five catches, 122 yards, and a touchdown in this game. Jalen McMillan, another great receiver in that trio. Five catches of 58 yards and a touchdown. They can just beat you downfield because of how great of a passer Michael Penix is, how dangerous receivers are, and how good their offensive line is. And it does help when you have a running back like Dylan Johnson, who is very good and can find a way to wear you down in the run game. 21 carries, 49 yards, and two touchdowns last week. Also did add in three catches for 18 yards against Texas. Did have an injury at the end of that game, but it seems like he'll be ready to go for tonight's game. As for Washington's defense, Braylon Trice made things very hard on Quinn Ewers in that Texas offense. Tries had two sacks in that game and a forced fumble. Obviously, he's raising his draft stock. Just a monster to game from him. Did have three total tackles for a loss as well, which is obviously great to see. Quinn Ewers didn't play bad in this game. I wouldn't blame him for the reason why Texas lost this game. He finished the game with 318 yards and a touchdown. Did add in some good rushing yards as well. Eight carries of 54 yards. But the difference in this game wasn't Quinn Ewers. It was Washington's offense just dominating the entire game. And things did get close at the end. It was a 34-21 game at the start of the fourth quarter. But Washington almost collapsed in the last 15 minutes of the game. They could have ran the clock out, maybe even taken knees and ended the game. They decide to run the ball with one of their last possessions. It ends up being a very costly possession since not only did Dylan Johnson get hurt, but it stopped the clock. So Washington couldn't run the clock out, giving Texas the chance to get the ball back with around 45 seconds to go in a 37-31 game. And they had the opportunity to go down the field. I know chances were going to be tough moving the ball downfield like that with just about 45 seconds left. But they did have the chance with the ball to potentially win the game at the end. They moved all the way down, got to the 13-yard line, and had a couple chances at the end zone. With 15 seconds left to go, they were on the 12-yard line, and they had four shots at the end zone. They threw two chances to A.D. Mitchell, probably their best receiver, go up and get it receiver, so I understood trying to force it to him since he's made very big plays in the College World Playoff two years in a row for Georgia. So he tried to win a third national championship in a row. I understand them trying to go to him considering how big and how good of a receiver he is. But it ends up being broken up. The last pass intended for him was broken up by Elijah Jackson, and it ends up winning the game for Washington. But that shouldn't have come down to that. The injury to Dylan Johnson stopping the clock, Washington giving the ball back, the defense letting Texas move the ball down the field. All of those things really can't happen. So tonight if Washington wants to win, they have to play a lot more clean like they did in the first half versus Texas, not like they did in the fourth quarter versus Texas. If they play like they did in the fourth quarter against Texas tonight against Michigan, that would be a problem. So now let me preview tonight's game. We have Michigan and Washington going at it, the number 1 and number 2 overall seeds in college football, both teams 14 and 0. Washington has won 21 straight games dating back to last season, which makes them the third team in college football playoff history to be playing in the national title game with a win streak of 20-plus games. 2017, Alabama won 26 games in a row, and 2020, Clemson won 29 games in a row. Washington has won 21 games dating back to last season, which is obviously very impressive. They put things together last year, and that's why I thought they were going to be very good this year considering they had a lot of talent coming back, and Michael Penix and that offense would have another year under their belt. They were obviously very good last year. The receivers were great last year as well, but I expected that team to take another step up. Last season, they were 11-2, averaging 40 points per game. This season, they're 14-0, averaging just about 38 points per game. And beat Oregon twice, beat Texas in the college football semifinal game. They won a lot of big games this season. Even though a lot of them are one-possession games, they find ways to win. They won 31-24 in their fifth game of the season over Arizona. So that's a one-possession game. They beat Oregon the following game, 36-33. Then they beat Arizona State, 15-7. Then a few games after that, they won 35-28 over Utah, then 22-20 over Oregon State, then 24-21 over Washington State, then 34-31 in the Pac-12 championship game over Oregon, then last week 37-31 over Texas. They've won a lot of one-score games this season, and I think tonight is going to be another one of those games where it's going to be a one-score game and they find a way to win at the end. Should last week have been a one-score game? No. But they still found a way to leave that game, the Sugar Bowl, with a win. That's Michigan, they've been great both ways this season. Offense and defense, both have been great this season. Only giving up 10 points per game, which is the best in all college football. 36 points per game on offense, which is 14th best in all college football. And there's a lot of uncertainty around Jim Harbaugh's future in college football. A lot of people are expecting him to jump back to the NFL. And I think that's going to be the case. I think this will be Harbaugh's last game coaching Michigan. And I expect him to go to the NFL after this season ends. So he's going to look to go out with a national championship win. Something he's been trying to do for years at Michigan, which obviously the program has been great, especially over the last few seasons. And that's a credit, obviously, to Jim Harbaugh and everything he's built at Michigan. If he could find a way to leave Michigan with a national championship, there would be no better way to end his time there than with a national championship win. But as for what I think is going to happen in this game, I know a lot of people are going with Michigan, but if you listen to this podcast at any point of the season... I had faith in Washington all year long. I know last week in my prediction for the college World playoff, I did have Alabama beating Washington in my prediction. But that's because I had in my preseason, I had Alabama beating Washington in the semifinal game. Before the season began, that was my prediction. So I said, if they meet in the finals, I'm going to roll with Alabama. But I've had faith in Washington for over a year now, dating back to last season. So I'm going to roll with them winning tonight's game. But a big thing for Washington tonight is going to be stopping Blake Horham. They need to find a way to slow him down. They did face off, actually, in 2021. Washington and Michigan did play in 2021, and Korum had an absolute day. 21 carries for 171 yards and three touchdowns in that game. Washington's defensive line, Braylon Tice, and those guys on that D-line have to find a way to hold Korum to under 100 yards in this game. And that's going to be hard to do. I'm not saying it's easy, but they cannot let him have a field day on the ground and run for 200 yards. If they can find a way to make things hard on Blake Korum. Install that Michigan offense, it's going to force J.J. McCarthy to have to make some big-time throws. And I know he played well last week versus Alabama, but this Washington defense has been scrappy all year long. Even though the numbers defensively are middle of the pack, basically in college football for points per game allowed, they do find ways to win. They find ways to slow you down, and they find a way to clutch up at the end of the game because a lot of the games are one possession games. The defense has found a way to win games at the end, getting a big stop, getting a big turnover, whatever it may be. And a big question mark on the other side tonight is whether or not Michigan's defense and their secondary can find a way to slow down that trio of receivers on Washington. Can they find a way to stop Romo Dunze, Jalen McMillan, and Jalen Polk? That's going to be a big question mark. And I think this is going to be a little bit more low score of a game than people expect. I'm going to roll with Washington winning this one 21-17. I have faith in the Huskies. I have faith in Michael Penix. And I think they find a way to scrap out a win in this game. And if you look at their schedule... They have beaten some top defenses this season. They beat Oregon twice, once in the Pac-12 championship game, and then beating Texas last week. Those are some good defenses right there. And even though Michigan's defense is better than both of those defenses, they still have been tested this year, and they're still undefeated. And I know on the other side, Michigan's undefeated as well. So you can't really take anything away from either one of these teams. But it's going to come down to who has the better game. Which quarterback is going to step up? Michael Penix or J.J. McCarthy? Because I think Washington's defense is going to find a way to slow Blake Horam down. At least that's what I hope. And I think Michigan's secondary is very strong. Mike Sanresto from Everett, Massachusetts has had a great season. I'm excited to see what he does in the NFL. But he's had a great college career. This is his last game. He's looking to go out with a bang, obviously, and try to win a national championship game. That's the reason he went back to Michigan. So I think it's going to be a big game. The two factors on each side, one being Blake Horham, the other being the trio of receivers and Michael Penix for Washington, Those are obviously two things that I think are going to be a big factor in this game. But ultimately, I think what it's going to come down to is who's going to have a bigger game? Who's going to step up when the game matters most in the fourth quarter in a close one-score game? Is it going to be J.J. McCarthy or is it going to be Michael Panix? Who is going to make less mistakes? And that's the way football goes. That's the way most sports go a lot of the time. Whatever team makes less mistakes and whatever team can take advantage of their opponent's mistakes, they typically win. And I think tonight Washington finds a way to win this game. 21-17. That's my prediction. With that being said, one statistic I want to mention here is that one seed has never beaten the two seed in the College World Playoff Finals. Alabama was the number two seed in 2015, and they beat Clemson, the number one seed, 45 to 40. 2016, Clemson beat Alabama as the number two seed, 35-31. Then in 2018, Clemson beat Alabama yet again, 44 to 16 as the number two seed. Tonight, we have the number two Washington Huskies, going up against the number one Michigan Wolverines. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be exciting. But I've been with Michael Penix now for over a year. I've seen a lot of his games. I have a lot of faith in that kid. I'm going to roll with them winning the national championship tonight. Anyways, that'll wrap up this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.